Erica's going to make next week? Did she check with you? <laughs> What's that? Baked potatoes and chili. All right. That sounds... You got to get here uh, nice and early. I appreciate you all being here. Um, hey, uh, if you're watching online, thanks for being here. We're going to do something a little curious for you all. Um, it's good hearing the prayer requests and the praise notes and that. And I heard Brother Jim mention Tony. And, of course, I've talked to Tony on the phone several times. And a young man, he's a Romanian teenager. And uh, he's really on fire for the Lord. He doesn't mind. He's a, he's a, he's a bold witnesser, you know. He's, he, he really is. And I guess he wants to go on a missions trip. Did I understand? He went to Africa. Where is he? And there's nothing better. You never think of a missionary going on a missionary trip. Is that like the square root of a missionary or an exponential missionary? But um, I thought, you know, he, need, he needs to raise $1,200. I thought it'd be great. Let's, let's provide 25% of what he needs. Would you guys be okay with that? Get, send him 300 bucks and be an encouragement to him and help get him to the mission field. Because I, I think yeah, you, you don't find a lot of young adults that are that fired up. And, and he is. So, I don't, you know, you guys would be okay if we did that? Any good to that? All right. Uh, uh, yes, Jim? Wow, Tony's having a young man he led to Christ is being baptized this Sunday. Wow. So I'll let uh, Secretary Jennifer make that so with you and Michelle, whatever one of you get a, I don't know, however, work with Jim. Jim, you tell us how we can get, get that money there. But that's, that is exciting to me and um, fantastic. All right, um, let's go to John chapter number three tonight in our Life of Messiah study. And as Pastor Danny mentioned, we will have a special service this Friday, Good Friday. And I do believe, by the way, I'm one that believes that Jesus was uh, crucified on Friday. So Pastor Danny's got some good videos out of that. I have a couple of pastor buddies of mine that are convinced he died on Wednesday. <laughs> because <laughs> they don't know any Jewish people. Um, but uh, that's another story for another time. But we will, I think, typically we live stream that. Uh, is Oscar in here? I think I saw Oscar in there. I mean, if, I, if I'm back here, well, that camera will get me back there facing that way, right? We'll be able to live stream off that, that camera, back, well, or that camera, I guess the one that will be facing me. So, Lord willing, we're going to live stream Friday night. And, but it's something you want to experience yourself. And Chef will and I always conspire every year, and I'm not going to tell you what he's doing this year because it's, it's another interesting thing. Uh, we find a Jewish food that Jewish people around the world use to celebrate Passover. And, of course, Jewish people, if you know anything about the dispersion of the Jewish people, they're all over everywhere. So a Jewish Passover meal can carry a lot of different cultural. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. And uh, this Friday is going to, you know, Chef Will, I'm sure, will... Uh, as he always does, bring his uh, A game. But uh, so that'll be Friday night. All right, tonight, Life of Messiah. We're in paragraph number 34 of Life of Messiah with Ariel Ministries. And this is our second part two, if you're interested, as we're in paragraph 34. And I've titled tonight's uh, Bible study, Life of Messiah, How to Overcome Jealousy. How to Overcome Jealousy. Now, maybe you're not a jealous person. Uh, some people struggle that greater than others. Uh, but 
it, it's interesting that jealousy and, and Satan's attempt to utilize it uh, knows no bounds. Remember, we saw that Jesus has just finished his famous conversation with Nicodemus about how a person gets to heaven into the kingdom of God and they need to be born again. And Jesus shares, uh, you know, John three sixteen with him. And, uh, and then the, the Apostle John in his gospel here shifts the focus back to uh, John Baptist's ministry. And we find that John Baptist's disciples uh, found out from the Jewish leadership that Jesus and his ministry is, is outdoing John Baptist's ministry and John Baptist's disciples are concerned and they come to John Baptist in verse 26 and tell him, they say, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizes and all men come to him. And so his disciples were concerned about this as we're going to see tonight. Ultimately, they were jealous now, as we talked last week, it's amazing that Satan, if Satan has enough nerve to try to separate the Messiah from the forerunner, don't think that he won't try to separate a husband and a wife or a pastoral staff or friendships or whatever else. He's very good at creating division. So tonight we're going to pick things up in verse number 27. We see John the Baptist's response to this in verse 27. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Interesting response. Now again, just in a way of demonstration here, this is really important when you look at this verse that you understand it in its context. If, if I use this verse as a standalone verse and I say a man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven, you could take a lot of license with that verse left all to itself, couldn't you? You know, I've told you the story because it's a true story, and it wasn't here. It was, it was with those, those Floridians, those evil Floridians. Um, but I had a guy one time tell me that, you know, he was leaving his wife because God had brought him another woman. And he said, God wouldn't have brought me this woman if it wasn't God's will, right? Now, I'm sure he didn't know this verse of Scripture. He didn't know a whole lot of Bible. But maybe he would have said to me, and after all, a man can't receive anything unless it comes from heaven. See how you can take that? And you can make a lot of bad applications for that. And that's why context is really, really important. Remember, the context here is John's disciples are jealous over Jesus' ministry, and they've taken up a reproach on behalf of their boss, of their leader, uh, John Baptist, whose whole job was to point people to Jesus, and they still uh, were missing it. And John is telling them that Jesus also had a legitimate ministry and it's a gift from God that John had his ministry and Jesus had a legitimate ministry that was given from God and then it, it came from God. And, and um, you know, ultimately, it's a reminder that a ministry and people are a gift from God. Isn't that a, a precious reminder? Um, John the Baptist simply saying, I've got to do my thing and Jesus is doing his thing and his ministry is legitimate and given by God and the people that are coming to him, all the crowds that y'all are nervous and jealous about, those people were given to him by God. They're, they're a gift, and as he said, it's a gift from God. Sometimes we forget that you and I's job is obedience. And recently we went through 1 Peter chapter number 5 and in the first part of that series we talked about pastors and they're commanded to feed the flock of God and ultimately they're commanded to love the flock of God. And sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, if you want to, it's easy in ministry, I know you find this hard to believe, but sometimes pastors can be the worst on being jealous. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, Pastor Danny's laughing. There's two, both of us are honest, you know, saying, well, I'm not a pastor. I don't know. Well, tell, let me tell you, you know, uh, it's hard when you go. As a matter of fact, early in my ministry, Jenny and I start, we went to a couple times some pastor's fellowships, and I found the early ones I had attended were really more about who's, who had bigger problems in their church, you know, and it was like, and I was like, man, I don't have time for all this self-pity, you know. Then I was in ministry a decade or so when I started going, um, <laughs> but sometimes it'd be like, oh, I have this church, you know, we're doing this, and we're, you know, and, 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 and sometimes, you know, I've had friends here in town, I've said this to them, I've said, you know, hey, if I had your building in your location, how hard could it be? I mean, you know, try, try being in the back of a neighborhood and nobody knows you're here. I run into people in Prattville, they've lived here all their lives. Say, I didn't know there was a church back there. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's all right. But, but, you know, the reality is when I or any pastor gets jealous over another man's ministry, ultimately we are disrespecting the gift that God has given us. And ultimately, you know, as a pastor here at this church, y'all, believe it or not, are a gift. I'm not convinced every single one of you is a gift, DT, <laughs> giving me a problem. I was in the back. I heard, I heard what you said. I heard it, and, you, and you, it was her. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was the wife thou gavest me. No, I don't think. You can't pull the Adam card. I did see you brought the flag I gave you in grace. That's what you talked about. Yeah, you're, you're about stabbing your wife in, in the face with the, with the flag over there. You know, I, I give him a flag to, to, in a show of grace, and what does he do with it? You know, it's like taking grace and just shoving it right there and he's bringing it here and he's but it's okay somebody's got to do it you're right about that but I'll tell you um, I, I pray that I never lose sight of the fact that ultimately the people that God allows we pastors to minister to you all are a gift you really are and I was telling, uh, I was with Brother Bill today, Bill and Alda, they were the, Bill's on security. Bill, you're on security. Turn the lights on off, Bill, if you're hearing me. Um, so it must not be. But uh, I was telling him today just how much, as a pastor, it's a joy that I see you all around town or maybe I see you in Birmingham, like the Sanchez's. It's a blessing, you know? It's, and I, I, it's not fake. I'm generally excited to see you unless it's you know Michael I don't know I, I guess I'd be happy to see you somewhere um, your kids I'd be happy to Michaela for sure all, well, all your kids but it is it's, it's y'all are a great blessing and I think John is reminding his disciples that their job was to obedient and God gives ministries as he sees fit and he goes on in verse 28 and he says ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ but I am sent before him now, John the Baptist goes on to bring them back to remembrance what he himself had said, I am not the Christ. Remember earlier we saw the Pharisees from Jerusalem, they were evaluating John's, uh, they thought John Baptist's ministry was a messianic movement and they sent a uh, delegation to evaluate and they're asking him these questions and John clearly says, I am not the Christ. But he went on to say, but I'm going to tell you, I will at some point point out who is and he eventually points out Jesus as the Messiah. Um, but he also says in this verse, he says, y'all remember, I said I'm not the Christ, but that I am sent uh, before him. Um, a key principle, if you want to deal with and overcome jealousy in your life, here's a basic principle we see in the life of John the Baptist as he's given some real biblical wisdom here. Know who you are and who you are not. A, a Christian needs to understand who you are 
and who you are not. John wasn't having a, a pity party because God didn't choose him to be the Messiah. Nor was he full of pride because he was the forerunner. Can you imagine being the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy of being, being the one that gets to point out the Messiah in the, in the, the history and the fulfillment of, of prophecy over hundreds of years and you know you are that fulfillment? We don't see in John a, a, an abundance of pride about the call he did have, nor did he have all this, you know, woe is me because he wasn't the Messiah. He understood who he was. And boy, you and I need to understand who we are and do what we are called to do. Now, John does what good teachers do, and he makes this point, and then he does a, an illustration. So verse 29, notice what he says. He goes on and says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. So John uses a wedding motif. I love using the word motif because I don't think I ever used the word before until I started listening to Arnold because Brock, give me a witness here. Arnold likes to use the word motif. He, if somehow he likes that word motif. Now I find myself using it. You know, it's a motif and you're going, I have no idea what a motif is. Kind of like a picture, you know, a word picture. And in the story or in this little illustration that John gives his disciples here, there's a bride, there's a bridegroom and there's a friend. Maybe if you want to translate into our world, there's a bride, there's a groom, and there's a best man. Now, in this story, um, who is the groom? Well, it's pretty easy to figure out that he's referring to the Lord Jesus here. The Messiah is the groom. And then there's the bride. Now, who's the bride? Oh, Danny's already laughing. Pastor Danny's already laughing at all you people because that was a setup question. I don't... That's why some of you say, I don't answer your questions anymore because I know. Um, that one's interesting um, because on your first reaction for us today would be to say the bride is the church. But remember where we are in the timeline where John Baptist, is John Baptist considered to be a New Testament or an Old Testament personage? He's an Old Testament. He's considered to be the last Old Testament prophet. Remember Jesus said he was the greatest of all the prophets. Uh, Jesus hasn't died and rose again, and so we're really not into that era. So in the calling of, of Jesus initially, uh, he came to be offer himself as the Messiah to whom? To the Jewish people. And so the context here is the Jewish people. Now, if you know your Old Testament, in the Old Testament, who's the bride? Israel. Thank you, Mike. I, I really think Israel is who he has primary reference to, but I'm going to show you. I don't think if you said the church, I don't think you're totally wrong here. Um, you know, I, but I think John, when he's writing this, the Apostle John, and when folks are reading this, especially Jewish believers, when they were reading this, they were probably looking at this a little more intently than most of us here are today because when he says that here's Jesus is the, is the groom and then the bride's coming, the Jewish person would have immediately thought, well, Israel is the bride. And in the Old Testament, when Israel is the bride, in the Old Testament, who's the groom? Jehovah. John Baptist is sitting here saying, Israel is the bride and the Messiah is the groom. Hence, the, con the correlation is John Baptist is saying he's equating Jehovah and Messiah. See the power of that? Now, 
I also know that when the Apostle John wrote this, if you understand when he wrote the gospel versus his epistles and the, if you're a late date, early date, whatever you, but more than likely the church had, was around and there was a greater understanding of some of this maybe, but maybe John understood it, that Jesus also is, you know, the, the church is the bride of Christ and, and the, the, the church being primarily a Gentile thing, but not exclusively for sure, because in the New Testament, in Paul's writings, how many times do we find Paul making sure he goes out of his way to say that in Christ, the Jew and the Gentile are separate? No, we're one in Christ. And matter of fact, Pastor Danny of C4C's latest video, if you haven't listened to his latest interview with on dealing with some types of dispensationalism and you say that's a big word, how systematically how you study the Bible and some folks want to say the church was started later and one of the reasons I would really reject that theology and Pastor Danny and the, whoever you're talking to, that guy did a pretty good job being fair. There, it's not an attack video. It's, you know, friends that I might disagree with, might disagree with me on this, but I would hold the church started there at Pentecost and moved on, but one of the reasons I'd hold that is the ones that want to move it later, they keep trying to, they, they, they take some of the, for example, a lot of those folks will say, well, we don't really need to focus on the Gospels because their primary audience is the Jews. But then the Pauline epistles, that's for the church. Now, we can understand primary audience intention, but ultimately all Scripture is given for profit, and right? And John or Timothy 3.16. And one of the things I don't like about it is that ultimately it begins to separate the, the Jew and the Gentile. And that's the complete opposite of what Paul said and what even Jesus, as he moves on in his ministry, talks about that he came to die for the sins of the whole world and bring us together. And the problem with the Gentile church today is the absence of the Jewish influence upon it. And, and so I do believe that the, John does understand. But the bottom line is John the Baptist saying, here's this wedding and you got the bride and the groom, and then there's the friend or the best man. And if you're a good best man, and I quote, if you're a good best man, or if you're a good maid of honor or matron of honor, you know, their job is to make sure that the groom, and if on the bride side, the bride is the focus and looks the best and everything's about the celebration of what the marriage is about, Right? And has somebody who's done a lot of weddings in my day, not going to cast any names here or anything, but there have been occasions or two where the best man, typically not the best man, let's be honest, typically it's on the, the, the bride side, the, the matron of honor. Sometimes the bridesmaids can make it about them. Can I get away? Any brides here want to? I'm sure it's not live streamed. I won't name any names or anything, but some of you brides are going, they're thinking in your head, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to smack my matron of honor right upside the head. And sometimes as a pastor, sometimes verbally I have done that. I'm like, you need to get a handle. This is not about you. I don't care if the bride says they want you to stand along the walls in the back or out in front of the church, go stand there because it'll make her happy because it's her wedding. And John Baptist is saying the best man looks and says, hey, my job is to make sure that the, 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 the whole focus is on the groom and the, the wedding and not upon me. You know, he ends this illustration in verse 29 by saying, this my joy therefore is fulfilled. You know, my title tonight is How to Overcome Jealousy. And when people are full of jealousy, one of the things I've noticed is they're not very happy people. Because jealous people are always thinking and looking at everybody else. And 
People today tell me they want to be fulfilled. And sometimes it's a struggle in life, finding fulfillment in life. And we go through life and we think, well, I'm going to have this human relationship and I'm going to be fulfilled. Oh, I'll join a church. It's going to be the perfect church. I'll go to open door. It's perfect. No amens on that. Notice to the online. I, uh, Drew's in the back giving me, I, Drew's giving me a shout out, you know. No, we're not perfect. And after a while, I've had some folks that, be, you'd be amazed. Sometimes people that come in the, with the greatest, those the greatest place ever are the quickest to go out and say, these are a bunch of idiot people that are hypocrites and, uh, you know. No, we're not, we're, we're not perfect. You, you can't find fulfillment in people. But um, I have found that as a course of life, in your life, you can find fulfillment or you cannot find it. And I would tell you, in all honesty, apart from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and putting God and Christ at the center of your life, finding fulfillment is going to be triple, quadruple more difficult. Matter of fact, maybe it's impossible to fully find it. But even for believers, sometimes we struggle with it and say, well, how is it that I feel so unfulfilled? Well, one of the things I would ask you is we've already seen the principally in this particular story. If a Christian knows who they are, and knows God's calling and does it, it's the most fulfilling thing you'll ever find. When I was a kid growing up in Christian school, and some of you grew up in Christian school, um, and, and not to bash Christian schools or Christian home or the church in general, um, you, remember, you ever have a time where you, some pastor get up here and talk about, you know, you need to find the will of God and you, need to do, and you should find the will of God and you should do the will of God and it's a dangerous thing and, and unfortunate when we make bad decisions that gets us on paths we now to be on. But you know, a lot of times as a teenager, I was scared to death of the will of God. Because we all know if you surrender to the will of God, you go to Africa. <laughs> That's what happens if you surrender to the will of God. But then I've got people in this room, you know, for example, uh, I know uh, um, Drew's wife back there. Um, she loves Africa. Yes, I know your name, Savannah. But I think you're Drew's wife right now. I wasn't going to call your name out because everybody's going to think, well, Savannah likes to go to Africa. Why is she in Prattville? Well, maybe this is Africa. Strange people, dangerous. But, you know, as I got older and my walk with God started to expand, I realized the, the thing that I, that I want teenagers is one of my passions to tell teenagers because where Satan kept me defeated more than any other areas, he, he had me years of my life into my junior high years and into high school because in high school, even in the Christian school, you know, you had to be a great athlete. You had to be the most likely to succeed. You had to be the most handsome. You had to, all these things that the world puts on. It ends up in the Christian school or it ends up in the church. It ends up in our human relationships and it's full of a bunch of lies. And Young people and, and even adults today feel all this pressure to try to pretend to be somebody. They're not. Now, I'm not asking you to come out and, if you're a man, to say you're a woman, because if you're a man, you're not a woman. Okay, sorry. That, that's, you know, it's that sad we have to say that today, but you're not. And if you're confused on that, my heart goes out to you, but you're confused and you need, you need I don't, I'm not saying this pejoratively, I, I want to help you. But in a, in a very much sense, many Christians live with that same kind of vision problem. They don't know who they are. And they're afraid to surrender the, the will of God because they say, well, then I... No, no, here's the deal. I want teenagers to know. God made you very uniquely and you're special and you're unique. And God made you for something. And if you'll trust him and follow him, he'll get you to where he wants you to be. And I promise you, wherever that is it's going to be the most fulfilling place that this life can offer. If, if, if you'll let, just trust God enough to bring you to the right person, 
We run around thinking, oh, it's got to be this, got to be that. Well, you know, Jenny wanted to marry some buff, tall, dark, and handsome guy. And then, you know, she didn't do bad. She didn't miss the mark too much. But um, she married short, bald, and ugly. Um, but she's happy back there because I tell her she's happy, bless God. Um, if you do it God's way, it doesn't lead to disaster. It leads to joy and fulfillment. And sometimes even in parenting, which nothing will beat you down like parenting and nothing will tell you other than ministry. I don't think anything told me I was a bigger failure than, you know, oh, you just tell kids what to do and they do it. You just, you just put them in their place. That didn't work for me so good. Um, parenting's hard. But you have to know who you are and where your call is. Now, that can vary as you go through life and you say, right now my calling is to be a college student or, you know, right now I know that God wants me to do this and do what God called you to do until that task is finished and then trust God to get you where you need to be. Because every time you end up envious and jealous about everybody else and what they have and blah, 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 it always leads to a loss of joy and a loss of fulfillment. Be happy. This is why John goes on to this very famous quote and we'll stop here tonight that most of you can quote in verse number 30. You've heard it a million times, but I wonder if you've ever heard it in the context of it's given. John Baptist says, he must increase, but I must decrease. John, at the end of his lecture to his disciples here, comes to the root issue. Here's the problem his followers were having. They were more interested in seeing John Baptist increase than Messiah increase. Why? Eh, let me submit to you a possibility. If John was in a bigger spotlight, they were in a bigger spotlight. It really wasn't about John. You know, most of the time when people are full of envy and jealousy, they're in their life, make their whole life about that other person. The problem's not the other person. The problem is you and me. That's why in our life, as Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, that in all things he, Jesus, should have the preeminence. Same principle Paul wrote about in Philippians chapter 1 where people were preaching about Jesus and some weren't fully sincere and people were coming to Paul and saying, you should be upset about this. And Paul goes, you know, if, whether it's pretense or whatever, if Christ is preached, I therein rejoice. And I'm going to let God take care of that. There's a lot of charlatans. I watched one today on video for about 30 seconds. All I could take, it was, it was an apostle. Yes, it was an apostle. And I I'm, I'm just wanted to really throw up on the inside and people are buying this stuff. But you know, um, God's bigger than me and what God has called me to do is pastor open door the best I can and love the people that he's called me to love the best that I can and um, be primarily concerned that Jesus is elevated that Jesus is lifted up. And Paul was never defeated by jealousy. And I'm telling you, when you or I become primarily concerned and say, what I want to do with my life is lift up Christ. And if he chooses to allow me to suffer, and through that, he can be elevated, I'll accept it. If he chooses to, I get diminished in in the school scenario, in the church scenario, in the work scenario, I'm going to trust God that if I respond the right way, like you'd have me to do, that you can still lift your name up. I'm good with it. Just do your calling. 
be who God made you to be and do what God called you to do. I can tell you as a pastor, I'm really thankful God brought us a plumber. We prayed for a plumber for a long time. Finally, we have some piano players. You know, we went, I don't know, almost a decade without, you know, we had Holly. Holly was, would do what Holly can do and love Holly. And then all of a sudden, God brought us some. And then some, and I, you, you pray. I'm, some folks, we need, I'm glad we have door people. I'm glad we have a dentist. I'm glad we have, you know, in the body here. I'm glad we have somebody who knows how to fix things. I'm glad we have mission. Whatever God calls you to do, if that's what God's called you to do, ah, yay. Do it. Yay for you. It's good. Find fulfillment. Don't be jealous. Stories told about um, um, a couple eagles that grew up together and they were from rival families and the one eagle could always outfly the other eagle and the lesser eagle finally had enough but one day he's flying around and with his eagle eye he saw there was a hunter down at the at the woods down there and he he landed in a tree and said hey you know please don't shoot me but I want to help you out and the hunter said okay what what's the deal he goes well I have this other eagle over and I, I can tell you exactly where he's going to fly over and win and I would like you to take him out give you a good price and the hunter said that's a that's a that's a good offer I think I'll take you up on that he said but I'm I have my bow and arrow here and I'm unfortunately I'm I'm down a feather for my arrow if I had a fresh feather for my arrow I could I could nail that guy so the eagle says well one of mine do and he said yeah it'll do so he plucked out a feather and he gave it to the hunter and the hunter put it on his arrow and the other eagle said he's going to fly by right about now and the hunter aimed and pulled back the bow and flew, it flew out there, but the other eagle was flying higher than he anticipated and the arrow didn't get high enough and the arrow missed and went on and the, eagle, and the hunter said, well, I missed. And he said, well, I have another feather. Try again. And this went on over and over until the eagle that was sitting off in the tree had lost most of his feathers and didn't have the ability to fly and the hunter went over and shot him. <laughs> you know? Uh, if you're jealous, you're just pulling out your own feathers trying to shoot somebody else. Just be who you are and find fulfillment. Amen? Amen. Thank you for watching and tuning in tonight on live stream. We're so glad you did. We'll be on Friday night, Lord willing, and then our Easter service as well. We have a lot of singing uh, that morning. I don't know, maybe we should try to do our Oscar. Maybe we should try to do the ambient mic you know, one that with the for the music, you know, like we do. Maybe we'll see. We'll we'll look into that. But uh, we'll see y'all later. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for the teaching of your word tonight. Uh, Lord, I know I, in times of my life I battled the <laughs> jealousy. Lord, forgive me. Thank you that we can find fulfillment in uh, embracing who you made us to be. Yes, in this life there's problems and struggles, and we fail and we get off track. And I'm thankful that you forgive us and God give me a heart to just seek to do what you'd have us to do thank you for uh, the meal tonight thank you for the time of fellowship and uh, bless us now as we dismiss and go our separate ways in Jesus name amen thank you for tuning in over and out turn, turn me off more off I got one more announcement alright if, if some of you guys would come